Let's just start. Let's ask the Lord's presence, because that's what I'm preaching about. If we don't have that, we're going to be a flop. We're going to be a flop. Our lives would be a flop if we don't have his presence. So, Father, you said you would send your Holy Spirit, and I'm so thankful that you sent your Holy Spirit. And as real as you were, in your body to your apostles. I believe that's how real your Holy Spirit is to us. So God, be real as we break this bread and share this time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. The children, of course, are dismissed, and and a lot of them came in their pajamas, and the staff's in pajamas, so if they look weird, just that's why. And they're they're gonna have their Christmas party. Just have a good time back there. Amen. Whew, hallelujah. So let's talk about this: presence or presence, presence or presence. Which one is it really this Christmas season? Wow. You know, when the angels announced the birth of Jesus, it was all about joy. That's what we talked about last week, right? Joy. Wow. Did you enjoy that program last, the illustrated sermon last week? Amen. Awesome. And the meal? Wow. We fed over 200 people last Sunday. What an awesome time. So glad for those those of you that stayed. But the announcement was joy, and joy over what? Joy that Jesus was here. Joy because of the presence, a presence, not joy because of the presence under the tree. Lord, if I'm going to lose you this early, I'm not sure if we can make it for 30 minutes. (laughs) It's not about Christmas doesn't come from a store. I think that's what the Grinch found out, right? So it's not about presents, although it's wonderful to have them. And the three kings brought them. But it's more about the presence that brings joy than the presence that we may or may. Because you can get disappointed in presence. You can spend a lot of time on Tuesday bringing back presents. But presents will never disappoint you. Amen. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 9, we read this story, and uh, you probably think this is a weird place to go for Christmas, but I'm, I'm going to be all over this thing about presents because we have got to get a proper understanding of Christmas, but also I I just want to, listen, I can't help myself. The Lord is doing something very unusual in our church. It is an amazing thing. Listen, don't listen to naysayers. Don't listen to those who can only see negative stuff. Let's just, amen, listen, those shepherds are in another field. They're not seeing what I'm seeing. Come on, come on, come on. I want you to show you how Jesus' heart works this Christmas season. And we, we read this story, and uh, 
you know, the disciples were having trouble. You know, they, they forgot to pack a lunch. Did you ever forget to pack your lunch? And they had nothing to eat and that kind of thing, and, and, and they were all concerned. How many times do we get concerned? Did I spend enough? Did I give them more than they're giving me? Are we all going to get along this Christmas? So Jesus says, do you not yet understand? We, we've been together this long. You haven't figured it out yet. Or have you forgotten the five loaves? How that five loaves fed 5,000? Do you not understand? I am the God of provision. And have you forgotten that all of you took home more than what we started with? When, when I say a basket, we're not talking about a picnic basket. The, the, the Greek there means a big basket. I mean, tall, big, full of food. Every disciple took that much home. Ah! Let me tell you, when you give out, you end up with more than you gave out. Give God praise right there because that, that's free. That's not even in the notes. That's just free. Okay? He says, oh, and by the way, have you forgotten the seven loaves? And the 4,000, <laughs> Lord. You know, he did that one first. He, it took seven loaves to feed four and only five to feed five. Oh, uh, you'll get it later. And how many large baskets you took home that time? Wow. How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? I wasn't talking about bread but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When he started talking about bread, they thought about their belly. When we think about Christmas, we think about presents. Like Christmas came from the mall. Oh, help us in this place. But he says, I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the doctrine of, of the, remember who the Pharisees and the Sadducees are. By the way, they call them Sadducees because they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. Again, a free point. That's, throw that in there. Amen. So, so what Jesus was talking about, he said there's some kind of doctrine going on in the church. That's really, because you see, everything that rises, y'all know what leaven is, right? Everything that rises or grows is not of God. Oh, my God. It's going to get tougher, so hang on. I know you think I'm going to do a nice, cute little Christmas message, but I'm not. So when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, or Philippi, it's the only mistake in the Bible. They mispronounced my name. Oh, y'all slow, slow. He asked his disciples. Well, wait a minute. Let me, let me back up a little bit. Because, because, oh, Lord, help us. So let me back up a little bit because in that, in that, in that giving of the bread, when Jesus did the miracle of the bread, I want you to remember something. 
he, uh, oh, the Holy Spirit's just dealing with me. I'm all over the map. Are you with me? Are you, are you okay? Sometimes he gives you so much revelation, you're not sure how to sort it all out. But, but I, I was reminded that Jesus wanted to feed them. There was a desire within him. Watch it. He said, the people have been here. They've been, wow, they've been pursuing me all day long. They were out in the wilderness. He said they, watch this, they had left their homes and their kitchens and the city. They left everything to pursue me. And now I feel like I need to take care of them. When you pursue him, he takes care of you. You may not get everything the way you want it and the way you think you ought to have it. You may not get everything under the tree you were expecting. But he knows what you really need. And when you leave all to follow him and you go out into a desert place to hear his word, he takes care of his people. Oh, put your hands together and praise him. My problem is, I don't understand these preachers are up Saturday night late, can't figure out what to preach. I don't get it. I got too much to preach. I'm telling you, the Lord is speaking. Is the Lord speaking to anybody else? I, it's just amazing what the Lord is saying. So we, we got this. Go, go to that next scripture. Uh, I mean this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought. So in Matthew 16, Jesus came into this region, right? And he asked his disciples, because I, I want to get into that. I want you to understand some, how this works about presence. And he said, who do men say that I am? I mean, what's the rumor out there? What, what, are, what are people saying? And sometimes we, we get caught up in that. You know, what's everyone saying? Really, what difference does it make what everyone's so they said, some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets, which is no small thing because that would, I don't know if that's, a, I don't know if that's a resurrection or a reincarnation. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying. So, but he said to them, but who do, what, what's, what's your knowledge of him? What? I mean, have you caught on to this? Listen, this is amazing, but some people, some Christians really have never met him. Oh, they've been forgiven by him, but I'm saying how many have met him? It's one thing to be forgiven. It's something else to know him. And we're running around trying to figure out who we are, and we don't even know who he is. Can I give you a word? You'll never figure out who you are till you figure out who he is. And, and I'm not just talking about 
you know, yeah, yes, Jesus loves me. I'm not talking about, you know, Sunday school, little, little, no. I'm talking about a deep revelation of really walking with him every day and knowing who he is. By the way, if you don't pray very often, don't act like you know him. If you don't even talk to him, how many know prayer is just communication? And you can't have a relationship without communication. Wow. So if, if, as we communicate, as we spend time with him, as we worship him, as we come to church more than once a month, Merry Christmas. Simon Peter. Oh, don't you love Peter? He's always saying stuff. Simon Peter answered and said, yes, Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Can you imagine how big the revelation, I mean, you're, you've been walking around with this guy and you get this revelation, he's God. Wow. So Jesus answered and said to him, because you know who I am, you're blessed. He said, you are blessed, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. He's going from son of Jonah to son of God here in a minute. You need to go from just your family connection to your spiritual family connection. Not that you abandon your family, but we understand there's something more. Let me say it another way. There's more to your DNA than what you got from your daddy. There's more DNA in you once you know Jesus because there is a spiritual DNA. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood. Yes, Peter, you're not smart enough to figure this out. You didn't get this in Sunday school. You, you, you didn't get this out of a book. This is not a lucky random guess. He said, mm, it's not my Father who is in heaven. He must have revealed it to you, right? It must have been my Father, which, oh, come on, someone say hallelujah. It must be my Father which is in heaven. Next verse. And I also say to you, okay, watch that, say also. It's the also that comes when you figure out who he is. When you're more concerned with presence than presence, when you're more concerned with his face than you are his hands, when you're, more, when you're more concerned about who he is than what he can do for you. Uh, we, got, we got this thing that's saying, don't evaluate what you have. Rather, evaluate who he is. Loaves and fishes. Quit looking at what you have and evaluate who he is. Listen, Eve in the Garden of Eden, 
Eve's problem was, besides having a husband that wasn't very helpful, he <coughs> might as well throw everybody under the bus while I'm at it. Eve's, Eve's problem was, first of all, she didn't know who God was. Because Listen, you can't just go by what Adam says. Didn't he walk with both of them in the cool of the day? But, but yet, at the serpent said, hath God surely said? You know what I think temptation really is? I think, I think what temptation is, is the fear that we're missing out on something. That if I don't do this or get involved in this, I'm going to have some regrets. And, and I, 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 isn't sin really just thinking that maybe I'm missing something? Hath God surely said? If she really knew God, would she have fallen for that trick? And she didn't know who she was, right? Because if you don't know who he is, you don't know who you are. So, so, so she said, the, the serpent says, well, God knows that when you partake of the apple, right? Or, and, of course, it's not about the fruit in the tree. It's about the pear on the ground. But <laughs> y'all are really slow this morning. I, <laughs> she, <laughs> the serpent said, the serpent said, God knows that if you'll partake, that, that you'll be like him. Wait a minute. Weren't they made in his? Weren't they made in his likeness? And yet the devil says, well, the, the God's holding something back because if you eat from the tree, you'll be like him. Hey, listen, devil, I'm already like him. I already have life in me. I already, I'm a son. I have spiritual DNA. Don't tell me what I'm not. I know who I am because I know my father. Give him praise. Oh, my, my, my. Hallelujah. And, and I think that family uh, dysfunction passed on to Cain. Cain didn't know who he was either. He didn't know how, he got jealous of the presence that Abel enjoyed. Right? And Cain gets marked and he becomes a vagabond. He, 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 is, he becomes isolated. He, he said that you have to just wander the earth, right? He becomes a and listen, that's what it that's what's going on in today's world. Too many people are disconnected from God, living under the old curse instead of the new blessing. Same thing. We're all wandering around trying to find ourselves. And you know what? Let me, let me, can I let you in on something? Churches are just as guilty as people. You know what it's all about with churches now? Branding. Do you all know what branding is? If, if you sell toothpaste, you have to know how to brand it. Is, is this toothpaste for tooth decay? Is this for whitening our teeth? Because we know that's the most important thing in the world. God help us if we don't have white teeth. So white, we, you know, we can't hardly see her. Her 
or or is it for bad breath? Or I mean, what what's the toothpaste? So you have to understand branding, and I'm afraid that has that has gotten into the church too. And here here's the, here's the mindset we gotta. And listen, I understand that churches are different. You know, when I was growing up as a Catholic, every Catholic church was the same. It didn't matter where you went, what country you went, what language it was in. They all they all preached the same scriptures, read the same things. Every place all over the world, every Catholic church today is is preaching the same thing. You can go to any Catholic, and I'm not saying anything bad about that, but we understand that that's the way that was. But nowadays, everything's about branding, and here's the mindset. If I get my branding right, then I can steal people from other churches. Because it's all about getting customers. Ouch! Like I said, I understand, you know, we need to know who we are. We need to know the special and unique calling that every church has. I understand that. But if it's just about branding, if it's just, if I can get my branding right, then the church will grow. And God's saying, it's not about the branding, it's about me. If you can get the presence right, the church will, and, and oh, I got, I got, can we talk, just us? If you're not us, will you leave, just leave? Because we're, well, oh, that's right, we're all us. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I want to talk, and radio audience, I want to talk to you too. Okay, it's all us. I, 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 got a, I got a word from the Lord this week. That, that, that just blew me away. And it was confirmed this morning as they prayed over me. And that's this. Jesus, Jesus doesn't save the biggest for last. He saves the best for last. I've always said I want to go out with a bang, right? And I've always kind of thought the church will be size-wise the biggest it's ever been right? And the Lord said, it's not about how big it is. I'm not saving the bigness for the end. I'm saving the best for the See, if you're not a pastor, you don't get it, but that took weight off me. Oh, come on, come on. And I'm not saying we're not going to grow in numbers. I don't know at this point. I'm not so sure I, I really care, other than I want to see all of your family saved. And, you know, I want that. I understand that. There's no virtue in being small or anything like that. But, uh, but I am saying this. We can't get focused on numbers, even though there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. Uh, and the Lord does count his sheep. You know, I understand all that. But I want you to hear this. He's saving the best to last. Remember the wine at the feast? He saved the best wine for last. And I believe, Journey Life Center, he's saving the best wine for what's about to come. Anybody with me in this place? My God, come on, give him praise.
Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. Are you still here? Okay. They're trying to find me up there. I'm all over the map. Then the Pharisees and the, uh, let me change that. Then the church people came. Oh, let me change it again. Then the church leadership came. Because they're the lead. Okay. And testing him, what people, what some people call trying the spirits, is really just putting pre- preachers on trial. Testing him, boy, it was quiet there, Lord, I'm sorry. And testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Whenever people will not receive the presence, they want a sign. Oh, that, there's more there. And he answered and said to them, when it's evening, you will say it be. And see, this is what, these are the verses before the other verses what I read to you. He answered, he said, I, it will be fair weather. Uh, what, what's that? Uh, sailor's delight. and all. Okay, whatever. It, it, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red, right? And, uh, and in the morning, uh, it'll be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to brand your church. But you can't discern what I'm up to. Yeah, but it's my toes I'm stepping on it. You can figure out all the all the projects and all the plans, and you, you know how to do it because you learned it from other churches. And all we do is find some church that's successful and we just copy them. If I brand my music, if I brand my youth program, if I brand my, you know, if I, if I get the branding right, then I'll win all these people from other churches. And, and sometimes people will leave a church because they like the branding better somewhere else. I, I, I preach, every once in a while someone will come and say, you know, I don't even want to be here, but God sent me. <laughs> the, the branding doesn't fit what I was looking for, but the presence of God was here and I had to stay. I... <laughs> I kind of like it when people say, well, they hurt my feelings, but I'm going to stay anyway because God. Well, I didn't get my way. I, I, I like it when people say, well, I'm just not being fed. Interpretation, they didn't get their way. Because their idea of being fed is they have to be the center of attention. I didn't get my way, so I'm going to leave. Of course, they, they can't admit that, and they won't admit they're mad either because that's not spiritual to be mad, but it's real spiritual to be hurt. Oh, he hurt me. No, I was just trying to cut off flesh. You do know this is Christmas. Look at me blaming God. Can I give you another revelation? This might have to go more than 30 minutes. You okay? Listen, let me give you another revelation. Oh, by the way, let me finish this. A wicked and adulterous generation. 
seeks after a sign. Why are they guilty of adultery? He's not talking about the Sadducees running around with women. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about church leaders who love the world more than him. He's talking about church leaders who love the process and the branding and the, and the getting ahead and stealing other members than, than they love him and his presence. That's spiritual adultery. That's flirting with things that, oh, my God, I, I, this is too deep for you. He said they, they missed the real sign. You already got the sign. The sign is after three days, I conquered death, hell, and the grave and rose from the dead. Like the comedian says, here's your sign. <laughs> and he left them and departed. Jesus will depart when all you care about is branding. One evangelist said this years ago, and I believe it's true. He said, if God took the Holy Spirit out of your church, how long would it take before you even knew he was gone? When everything's about what we do and our processes and the Holy Spirit leaves, we don't even know it. I'm not so sure they really care. Oh, this is too, this is... Y'all didn't come to hear this. I'm sorry. I'm so, no, I'm not sorry. Let, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you what God told me. Do, do you want to hear another revelation? I don't share everything God tells me. You ready for this? The Lord said that there's a difference between the house and the upper room. That manger that baby born in a stinking, drafty. Nowadays, we have a kid. We won't even take him outside for eight weeks. We don't want, we don't want the baby around any of you. And then Jesus is born. How many know there were a few bacteria in that stable? How many know it didn't smell? <laughs> Mary's like, can someone please light a candle in here? Wow. So so you got right? So you got this. He's born in a stable, and everyone else is celebrated in Bethlehem, but he's born in a stable. First Kings chapter 17, I and I probably don't have time to uh, read the whole thing, but remember when the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he said, I've got a widow woman. You know, every time God says, I've got a poor and destitute person who has no money to take care of you, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Can you not send a rich person to help me? So he goes to Zarephath, right? And he came to the city, and indeed there's a woman there, and she's gathering sticks, and she's about to die, a woman of great faith. But she had a lot of hospitality. Wow. And so, uh, next verse, and you understand what was happening, and um, keep going, and go to the place where her son dies. A after he provides all the, after he gives her great presence, 
P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Her son dies. Right? Keep going. And it happened after these things, right? He died. He, she, he became sick, so serious. He had no breath left in him. And really what we're talking about here is the next generation. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me? Have you brought me presents, and now you kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. I don't know what your problem is today, but you need to start giving it to him. And he took him out of her arms. She represents the house. She and her family live downstairs. That's the house. That's the church. So they gave the son. Are you following this? And he carried him to the upper. Every church ought to have an upper room. You know, we've got several, several, not one, several prayer meetings going on uh, every week. Almost every day there's a prayer meeting going on in this church. And, there, and let me, can I be honest? It's not like there's a hundred people here. It's just a handful. And for that handful, I want to encourage you. Don't look at the number. You're not the house. You're the upper room. He didn't take the woman. He didn't say, all right, go get the family. <laughs> go get the cousins. Let's all go on upstairs and have a prayer meeting. He said, no, you stay down here. We're going to the upper room. There's an upper room. Can I call it the furnace room? The furnace room isn't the prettiest room. You never go in there until something's broken. Oh, I guess we better pray. I, I think maybe you should have before. Thank God for people who pray before the furnace breaks. The Bible says that he put himself over him, hand to hand, foot to foot, mouth to mouth. Three times he breathes into the, and brings life into the next generation. You know, the church is really good at ministering to the current generation. We're not so good at reaching the next generation. And so the next generation comes to life, and he goes back down the stairs and, ha oh, this is, this is too deep. I don't have time to get into all this. But he hands her back to the church. Alive. How many believe there's a move of God coming that's going to bring dead bones back to life? And it's going to come from the upper room. Well, I'm too old for this. Look, look, those, those two little old ladies in their 80s, one, right, over 100 years ago? No, I mean, well, yeah, back in the 1940s, they prayed. One, one, they never went to church because they couldn't go. One was blind and one was so crippled with arthritis she couldn't hardly walk. But they prayed for hours every day and birthed a revival in, 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 the, in the Hebrides Islands off of, off of Ireland. Let me, let me tell you something. Hundreds of thousands were saved because two little old ladies in their 80s prayed through and would not take no for an answer. 